0: Before after before. (laughs) They turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. (laughs) Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. I uh, had to try so hard
1: not to do a British accent there. I wanted to really bad. Uh, and hello, everyone listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 169. We're doing fine. Of Dismembering Horror. The podcast shoe were myself, Ryan McDuffie, and... My Tim Aslan. That's right, Tim. what do we do here we talk about what worked for us what did not work for us and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a you guessed it right horror film let's see and uh what else do we do here i mean i always like to give a little i was just thinking of it as like a, a way i haven't put it before tim you and I, we just really want to see more horror movies. We don't really tire of them. And what better excuse to, to watch them all than making a podcast and talking about them? Because not only is it just wanting to watch them, but we do both want to dismember, properly digest, properly discuss all that. Feels like we're, we, it's, it's, the, it's the true way to wring all that there is out of a film. It's to have friends in tow
0: Yep, yep,
1: this is true. (laughs) All right, (laughs) (laughs) good. Well, great for episode 169. It was a theater trip. We went to see the new release film Last Night in Soho 2021 the new Edgar Wright joint. But, Tim, before we get into any of that, we have an anything else to say section. Yes, we did have something else to say today we're excited about. We've mentioned we've joined uh, Podcast Network Connected, connected, no E at the end, podcasts. And, uh, well, we we listened to one of our first uh, new family members who's part of the podcast, too, Rom Crimes.
0: Yep. That stands for Romance crimes rom crimes
1: as in um rom-coms was the play that i but got it's off not of it.
0: that it's about romances and crimes
1: <laughs> no it is actually i i didn't know what to expect when going into this because i'm like okay i remember the guys telling us about it where it was like part um they talk like movie, about a, they movie talk about breakdown. A, yeah. They t- do a movie breakdown of a romantic comedy and then tie it to a real life crime of some kind, whether that's something that's more like a, um, the classic, like, uh, uh, uh what, what's so in vogue, just murders. People talk yeah, about true crime, murders, stuff. true crime stuff, but also that just the, of the nonviolent kind too, but just crazy stories, which was the, the episode that I listened to. Um, But no, yeah, it was so fun. It was exactly that. And so Avrin, Vanya are the host, and they were just like so much fun for both of the segments. Like they talked about, so it's like they they do just split it up. Like for the first part, they talked about the movie um, While You Were Sleeping, which I had like Mm. never heard
0: of, but
1: it was so funny. Um,
0: So they give us like While You Were Sleeping. I'd have to go see if I've seen that, because I can't remember. I
1: just assume you've seen so much of everything, Tim. Probably. (laughs) But
0: it was so great. Like, they made me excited
1: for, like, I mean, almost like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to check out. It's been some while since I've checked out some romantic comedies and just gone down <laughs> that path. Yeah. But their enthusiasm was infection in that sense. like It was probably even better than like maybe watching the movie, though, just because they had so much love for talking about this film. It was so funny. They were cracking me up, too, like saying, sort of, like young Bill Pullman, how much of a snack he was. I loved that.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, their rapport is amazing. It's so yeah. good. Uh,
1: and then they went on to tell this incredible story. They sort of split it up of this uh this con artist who conned of uh, that's what they call it Manhattan's elite. Yeah. It's just one of those crazy con artist stories. But then there was they found a really fun overlap for for both. Um so yeah, it was cool. Like it was it was a neat it was a neat just way to kind of like mix up and do a little more with the popular two crime subgenre, I guess. Uh, yeah. So if you're also a film fan on top of being a true crime fan or vice versa, check it out. ROM crime.
0: Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I mean, the them being able to find, you know, actual true crime stories that do relate in some way to the to the movie is pretty fun. Because you, you know, whether or not it was actually like the movie was based on that case, that's not always going to be the way it is, but Having it be connected in some way or another is pretty pretty fun.
1: Yeah, it was this one was um, a woman who's essentially like getting so deep in a lie that it keeps getting spun, you know, out of control mm-hmm. further and further further. Yeah, and they go crashing very down.
0: very in depth. Like it's like beat by beat. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, get all the juicy details, which yeah, we like to do here. We also are after those juicy details.
0: Yep, that's true. Yeah, but you guys should listen to it. Listen to all of the stuff on the Connected Podcast Network. <laughs> Great. Do it. Okay. Or else. So now, now I can transition. <laughs> that's
1: what I was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, because I'm excited. This was a big one. Like, it's Edgar Wright's one of those filmmakers that when he has a new movie, it's just like. Gotta go see it You get yeah. Edgar Wright um, So yeah Let's just jump into it With our trailer So again yeah Directed by Edgar Wright With a screenplay By Christy Wilson Cairns And Mr. Edgar Wright himself Here we go To Last Night in Soho Baby
0: You don't know what you're saying What brings you down then? you am studying London College of Fashion the room is on the top floor. It's perfect. I love it. If I could live any place and any time I'd live here, in London, in the 60s... my dreams la, 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 there was a
1: girl and you are Sandy all right fun trailer for a fun film I'd say so Tim after our trailer we move into our rating which we have a whole fun rating system for, as in what we tell ourselves to avoid this film, stream this film, rent this film, or buy this film.
0: What would you tell yourself, Ryan? This is... I, I thought it was great.
1: I, I liked it. It checked enough boxes. It, it, I think it gets a buy it for me. Um, wow. I liked it. I mean, I liked it as much as Candyman, and I think there's like which I gave a buy it to too, where I think there's just something so cool and refreshing to have a modern horror film that's just so like competently done <laughs> if that makes sense, sure, your face, I just feel like you disagree i don't know what you think yet you're <laughs> you're doing your poker <laughs> face right now, but no uh, it's it's just the, it's not one of my like Oh my god, I'm so I don't know, I'm like really excited about aspects of it and I I got really caught up in it in a way, but it's just it's cool enough um and yeah, it checks enough boxes I would buy it um but it's not like a new all-time favorite like mm. Edgar Wright's films, like I love him so much, but it I don't know, they leave so much of an impact that I almost don't feel like I need to own them if that makes sense (laughs) sure like no I own Scott Pilgrim I have bought um, Shaun of the Dead I don't know it's weird yeah maybe it's just like where I am right now and just kind of like liking the idea of having stuff on my shelf for like specific things even if it's not like a 10 out of a 10 movie um I don't know you're getting my gist here how about you (laughs)
0: Um, I think it's really close to being really good, but there are things that I guess ultimately I just didn't like, um, some of it's technical, I guess. Um, but some of it's story too. And so I'm a rent. That's it. Great cool
1: yeah and maybe it's hard for me to say too because like i wouldn't say there's anything as far as i disliked about it it's just when it like doesn't reach a certain level you know somehow it feels
0: like the least edgar wright edgar wright movie i've seen
1: that was something i really liked about it
0: i don't know okay
1: but not that not that say that more edgar wrightiness would have been bad but i just thought it was really interesting and cool about it i should say
0: yeah Um, i mean. I feel like he trying to think if I've seen all of his movies, but I feel like he's moved away from kind of the things that really made him like stand out in the last couple films, which I think the last one he did was Baby Driver, which also felt less Edgar Wrighty than previous ones. Yeah, it is. You know.
1: It is interesting what he's doing with this and Baby Driver where it feels like Baby Driver he's like I want to make a certain kind of film this one I want to make a certain kind of film. Well, um,
0: to a degree I think that's always been kind of his approach because like, you know, Hot Fuzz is a is a sort of a police um what do you call that? Like a a buddy cop movie. Yeah, right? and he does genre like his way so, so um, maybe that's you know, more it where it's Shaun like of the dead Shaun of the dead
1: of course zombie movies are just were, were are just so done to death that it was really about making like his hisness had to come through even
0: more in a way i don't know right right and, and there's i'm this is not a, a criticism in any way i i really like what he like his style i just like his style um but it if you were to say like what his style is <laughs> in like i don't know some some concise way this movie particularly felt like it didn't have as much of that flavor to it whatever that flavor is well um which is fine that's yeah. not a that's not a bad thing at all it just was I don't know it was a different thing different experience
1: also I always like to give the disclaimer for those new releases maybe I speak more for me than I do for you too Tim but first time viewings often I just can't really work it all out like it's not fair to the movie so all this too is just kind of uh first reactions in a way which I guess is what it usually is unless we do the rare revisit but whatever yeah all right so Tim though to really get on the same page here even more, could you lead us through one of your famous summaries and just give us a gist of what happened in this film? What is Probably. this film?
0: Yeah, okay. So let's see. Let's get our um, our people straight here. So you've got Ellie, Eloise, an aspiring fashion designer, heads to the big city for uh, to attend... Fashion school, which she got into, which is great. <laughs> and You're real proud of her. Good to hear, Tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy for her. Um, or er, we learn very quickly that she has, um, a gift of being able to see, um, ghosts or spirits uh, in some some form or fashion. She has a connection to her deceased mother who I think it's not exactly explicitly said, but maybe it is. And I just don't remember her mom uh, committed suicide in the city as well. So she's got that whatever burden to bear. Um, and, you know, she's she's an introvert. Let's call her an introvert. So she goes to Soho where her art school is She meets various people in her school, some of whom suck because it's school. Um, And because of her roommate sucking especially, she she decides to move out of the dorm and move into a flat um, in Soho, a single room in an older woman's uh, whatever walk-up building. And then... Very quickly, she starts having dreams, but are more like waking dream experiences where she is uh, transported to 1960s Soho. And she's following along with a another female character, Sandy. And Sandy's escapades as an aspiring singer that leads her down a a dark path and of manipulation in the bowels of the Soho nightclub scene. (laughs) Uh, And then things start to get weird because Ellie starts to kind of blur the lines between her visions and the events in those visions and like her participation in them. And she ends up witnessing Sandy's, presumed murder and she wants to solve the case. She wants to find who Sandy really was and figure out who the killer is and whether or not she can bring him to justice. But then twist upon twist.
1: <laughs> right. And that's where I say in true Edgar Wright fashion in a way. And all kind of like wraps up with a a bow in the sense mm, of, mm-hmm. ah, this is the twist, this is what was going on the whole time, you know?
0: Yeah. Do I sound like I'm on, like, like um tranquilizers over here? <laughs> I just realized <laughs> I'm, like, kind of slow talking it through. Uh, to be <laughs> more quick, so when things start to go crazy, she her visions start to kind of um, actually enter into her real life. She's, like, seen visions not when she's asleep and there are dead people dead men uh in her room and all over the city trying to kind of come after her and uh man antics ensue yeah should i should i spoil the ending yeah okay so the ending is that she, she thought she had witnessed sandy's murder at the hands of her pimp so to speak But in actuality, Sandy was the murderer and she had lashed out at all of the men that she had had to, um, whatever, endure as a sex worker. And she killed them all and she hid them under the floorboards. And she, Sandy, is actually the woman who Ellie is renting the flat from. This is something I forget. Mrs. Something, something. <laughs> um, and so Collins, that's right, Mrs. Collins. We have a little bit of a <clears throat> come, come to, uh, come to, uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> we got fight that. it out, yeah. Burn it down. No, we'll
1: we'll talk about the ending. Yeah, they have a final fight, all that. Great all right well we hope you've seen it that's the spirit of the show but that's just for everyone whether we've seen it or not just to be like okay what were we talking about (laughs) yeah what were their names let's get that that out of the way too mrs (laughs) collins take care of things like that all right cool so with that there's still a lot lot that worked here so let's get into it in our first big section what worked
0: what, what worked for you? you. What, what worked for you? you. <laughs> word, 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 word. It worked Work like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what what, what, word, 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 word. what, what?
1: I mean, I can just say as a whole, Tim, like the first half is just what was so like kicking. This like so hard for me. I got swept up in the theater experience just in that way you hope for, for going to the movies, music, sound, acting, boom, confluence of images, all that. It was like (laughs) everything you want, the magic of the movies. And that's where... That's like what gives, I don't know. And the flavors within all of that is why I just put it to a buy it, I think. Um, but I will say, so like Edgar Wright, so you know, you're right. Maybe like this is obvious. I don't know. It's so weird because for me, it's just like, yeah, there weren't any uh, whip pans or zooms or anything <laughs> like that. So I'm like, sure. so all of a sudden then it's not Edgar Wrighty enough. I don't know. So I'd be curious, would you, would we get more on that? And I guess um, as we as we further talk about it, but see the thing that he does Still have, I mean, is perspective still there? Yada yada. I still feel like there are plenty of cool transitions, stuff like that. You know, in the Edgar Wrighty Scott Pilgrim sense, whatever. But something that just comes when you have someone who's a filmmaker, you know, like him and all his, all his buddies, and I'm sure his uh, co writer on this. When you know they just love movies so much, um, and you know, your filmmaker, you're at a certain level of being a filmmaker. It seems like it's, it's. It becomes more about not so much like your stylistic flourishes for me, but in that case, you're you, you just have such an inherent, like built-in belief of how much movies can do and sort of make you feel and sort of be a certain whole, you know, world you're stepping into on screen, that it's just like that's when this sort of magic step happens in a way, where it's almost just like just by seeing the possibilities in something and then shooting it, all the elements come together, like we just get maximally transported in a way. So like, I mean, just to start yeah, from the beginning with that in mind, from the get-go, just like the opening, I think it was like the opening shot where Eloise whips open the door and steps out from the hallway dancing to uh, I Don't Care What They Say Without Love, which I love all these old songs, so maybe that's a big a big box that was checked for me, too. I very much can relate to Eloise and uh, my love of music that was made well before I was born. Um, but just it was so much, I don't know, it was just instantly... St- allowed me to just kind of settle in and let go and go, I am watching a movie here, and, like, how refreshing is that? Just to feel like it's something new and original and, and just in the hands of a good filmmaker already. I don't know. I was just really started off strong for me in just that overall, like, handling sense, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to the aesthetic, the design. Um, and just having clear characters, right? Like she's so we we know from that opening shot immediately who she is and like what we're dealing with, and so like I think that that may be one of the most Edgar Wright thing he does is is how good he is at defining characters quickly and effectively. Mm-hmm. Um. And I agree the the whole just the whole feeling you get from from right right at the start um, kind of it's like a nice little warm blanket that you get to wrap yourself up in.
1: Yeah, well, I it's more than I guess. Yeah, we're what we I guess, again, like all these sort of stylistic flourishes we may think of the other Edgar Wright films or sort of having this like comedy comedic lens kind of over it all this just you could say felt more like straight in a way like both all of his films they like get you into the world the characters make you sympathize with them but um this one i don't know i can see it just it worked for me in a way that was just so nice and interesting just to sort of you know with with the goal that it's going to be a horror film or a film that you know needs to reach a certain level of intensity and be respectful towards the subject matter and the character histories and all that um yeah it just it struck this interesting tone that maybe yeah you're right this he kind of started exploring with baby driver but this is more like just yeah showing showing something showing something straight you know not 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 allowing us to really laugh but like okay we're 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 sympathizing with these characters in a more dramatic movie
0: world sense right um yes <laughs> i was going to say something about that now i don't remember what it was either way i think a big part of what supports the the opening in particular and and does carry you through um is this kind of feeling you kind of said this where they they love films so much right like that like you can tell that there's a there's it's not homage but but they're so influenced by the films of the era that this movie is you know starting to to point at right like go back to, I don't know, let's see, like, Blow Up. I don't know if you've ever seen Blow Up. But these movies that take place in London, essentially, in the 60s. And basically starring, uh,
1: if there's an old person in this film, you can expect they starred in some old (laughs) British film. That's
0: right. Yeah, exactly. And so there's something about that, like, the nod to that. Like, it's almost, I, I kind of left the movie feeling like this is like a love letter to that era of cinema
1: and just that um, era. Yeah.
0: Right. 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 Exactly. Which is interesting. Cause like Edgar Wright is, uh, I think he's a, he's like four or five years older than me. So like he was not around in the sixties. You know what I mean? It's just like, I wasn't around in the seventies, but I have a weird affinity for it because I think your early memories get tied to, you know, you know, your parents era and you it's easy to attach some nostalgia to that even though you didn't really experience it personally you're sort of experiencing it vicariously vicariously through your parents like memory or a style or whatever or older siblings if you have older siblings um and so to me there's something really cool about that that feeling of like i want to dive into this world that i that was just out of reach
1: yeah, well, what's I mean, just to get into the fan the uh, the themes of it all, and just you know, you talking about it's it's about this time and place as a a fantasy almost. So like, that's a big theme of it is like what's real or what's not. But really, like what the movie's about, and like what he'll say, it's about first and foremost. It is like, yeah, you say it's a, a love letter to that time, but it's a but through an, a lens of awareness of like mm-hmm. all this horrible stuff also was happening at this time that you could say this time and other things that were specific to the time helped allow or just where people were at culturally or evolutionarily, all that. So it's just trying to be, which is just so ripe for horror. I mean, we've had this discussion so much, but it's just like, that's, if that's like the overarching theme, there's that and just sort of so much other fun stuff that plays in and out of that that is just another big uh another big box that was checked for me and just sort of being able to have
0: a lot to chew on afterwards well what's so cool about how this is done is that in effect it is a love story but it's a love story between ellie and her her idea of soho london and the the sort of it's not nostalgia, the admiration or like whatever, obsession maybe for an era that you can't or weren't ever going to be a part of, right? And so the like it it tracks exactly the same as a, you know, a romantic comedy where it's like you have a crush on a person, they seem out of reach kismet happens gets you guys together it's all light and fluffy and wonderful and then like the the shoe drops and the dark reality of you know whether or not this fantasy you had about this person matches the reality and the complications that ensue because of that and split you up and then you have to come back around to figure out whether or not maybe you actually were meant for each other (laughs) yeah that it's the same thing like her relationship with 60s soho london is exactly that that trajectory (laughs) so you know cool edgar wright called this a cautionary tale for time travelers
1: (laughs) um yeah for that it's more than just our nostalgia there's a, a underbelly to it all no so like what you said yeah that's that's so on point as far as yeah just how it feels and plays out when she's first crossing over um But I mean, in a literal and metaphorical sense, it's so cool how the story works as she's entering into her dream world. She's someone who's like an introvert, you know, kind of separates from reality around her in a way, fantasizes about this dream that she has in the sense of her love of the 60s, as well as just wanting to be a fashion designer, you know, boom, boom, dream, dream. But then, and yeah, in that literal metaphorical sense, how it transitions to a nightmare uh, yeah. As a movie, and in what she's experiencing, and that was something I thought was so cool, Tim. That idea, just that feeling of like, I don't know. It's just that's a, such a universal dream thing where you just kind of get in a place, and either maybe it's there's something nice about it, or it's like there's just something, um, um, you know, it doesn't have a positive or negative feel to it in any way but then something is just like you get the sense maybe there's something following you or something's not right or there's always something you can't see out of the corner of your eye kind of thing and it just all starts to unravel or it's just like you know one of those you know showing up to school late dreams and then it's just a horrible day like whatever it may be it's it's cool how that just it works in that that real influence in the story itself i don't yeah all that was super interesting
0: yeah i mean you're right well egger's right it's his movie it is a cautionary tale i mean the, the she wishes she had grown up in the 60s right she gets that wish she gets to physically experience that and the nightmare is that that's not all it was cracked up to be for everybody like the fantasy, it's a fantasy. You know, it's always got this sheen of like forget about the 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 dark underbelly reality of of the world, yeah, and live in this weird fantasy place. But like, you eventually that that bubble has to burst. Well, it doesn't have to, but it wouldn't be a movie if it didn't,
1: <laughs> right? Or it'd be a very but different
0: I, film. I I love that. I mean, I. Uh, Anytime you're dealing with sort of realm, different realms crossing over, like all of that stuff, those things like bleeding together, like I love all that stuff. Um, there's, <laughs> uh, yes, that uh, that's it. I love the, what movies that do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and like, look, that I think a big thing I that. Makes, well, just like the flavor of the movie, this style and the, you know, the design. Like I said, the costuming, the, the anytime you have, God, I don't know what you would call this, but when you get to like, I'm a humongous nerd for those books in, in like gift shops that are like pictures of Hollywood in in 1903 compared to the same, you know, street corner today. Like I love that stuff. So like I, it this movie is ex- is exactly that to me. It's like <laughs> and then but then you you go stand on that actual corner, you go, "Oh my god, this is a yeah, nightmare."
1: Well, I mean, just as a visceral cinematic experience, like I mean, I also loved his buddy's uh Quentin's film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just for that sheer yeah that yeah. sheer display of like driving down a hollywood boulevard and having it done up like it was 60 or 1970 in that case
0: but well and i imagine if you god if you i i have been in soho but i don't like have any connection to it i don't remember it like specifically but if you grew up there or like man that it would be i, I love that stuff but like, even
1: without having grown up there, like, there's just such, yeah, maybe yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, we live in Hollywood for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But even, yeah, I've never been to Soho, but that experience, that, like, that key shot that's in the trailer almost of her stepping out up to the cafe with the yeah. the Thunderball marquee out yep. in front, like, that's, ah, uh, that's just everything for me, where it's just, like, through sheer, like, physical building things, redoing things. You're, you're making a temporary magic that then only works within the frame. And uh, God, I just got so swept up and all that stuff. So cool. Much like Eloise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this thing of her kind of attempting to, to become, uh, Sandy, you know, getting her hair, like dyeing her hair, the same fashion. Um, making the dress that she's wearing all of that get that swept upness of it is is really fun because it is that thing of like you are being transported to another realm but you're also transforming through that experience like actually and like those types of things that I don't know if there's a term for for that that kind of storytelling but Anytime you get realms and like metamorphosis and stuff like that, like I'm a huge fan of those elements.
1: Well, you mentioned, uh, yeah, how she's working on being a fashion designer and then sort of takes inspiration from the past as well as then I think, I guess maybe what you're more getting at, she's taking like finding a sort of confidence and a taste in herself and this kind of, you know, you build almost like when when becoming an artist is something first you imitate that you kind of, come into yourself where she's almost like finding herself in this, in Sandy incorporating that into her becoming Eloise because that's specifically being done. I just think there's something really interesting when it's specifically being done with old media and art, you know, like, and this is, it's, I want to like, this is the theme that maybe I thought is even more interesting or I really fixated on for this film. And is I just often think about this a lot, but the idea of art in any form you know as an escape versus art as some sort of like the positive side of it of allowing some sort of collective knowing and therefore progression you know or recognizing something you know like we know there's there's pluses and minuses you know and then that that's as far as that line goes and i think what's so unique and interesting about older material and maybe why, you know, we're still gravitated to it this day. Um, you know, on, you know, stuff stays relevant here. How do I put this here? A good example, Tim, I always feel bad. Like I'm almost like whenever we bring up Marvel movies and I kind of like have side eye or something like that, you know, or it's not, um, you know, I'm just not a fan like you are saying that you're huge fan, but I will say like, I loved the last two big, uh, back-to-back adventure Avenger movies. Right. And to spoil the ending of the second one, uh, I loved that ending as in like the ending moment of it was Captain America, right. Who, uh, It's basically after all this, these 20 films or whatever, it all culminates in he just wants to be like back in the 40s with his new wife, like dancing to their, you know, old-timey music together romantically, right? Yeah. Like that, and that kind of, that music that they're listening to, like it's, like modern music can't do that. There's a certain like, wholeness and pureness to like that intent of just sort of this something that's so like lyrically and um, musically sort of you know sweet and uh, i don't know we almost say it like feels you know there's there's weird things about it too it doesn't take into greater context it feels outdated but there's something more like punchy and powerful you know when it's just so like all the songs of all those old lyrics are just i love you said you know a bunch of different ways but there's a certain, like, uniqueness and power to that that I don't think we have, uh, that is unique to that time. You get what I'm saying?
0: With I all think that?
1: so. Okay. <clears throat> I
0: mean, I also think that you, that that is your taste. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, but
1: I've tried to describe the, where maybe the appeal comes for like for, like, everyone. Like, you know, I have, you know, some friends who got married and they, um they're they're they had that inc- incredible like first dance they played god it wasn't moonlight serenade but something like that that was this like old-timey song and it was just like the spell like the ending of that adventures av- movie just kind of wafted over everything in this incredible way um so so this i think that's all especially right i mean that's basically what this story is about though too when we know of like <laughs> how horrible like those times were, you know at the same time, um it's yeah, just it's like <laughs> all that can be wrapped up in sort of art itself, you know, just but th- and that's where we're at is like how can we still like there's still stuff to appreciate about it, but it can be I don't know just trickier to plug into it's still there, I don't know, it's all just messy, interesting stuff,
0: well, I think that, yeah, i mean the the part of this movie that is poignant is the idea of you you can have affinity for an era but often you are ignoring because of your lens you know if you're if you're a, a white teenager like your lens is going to be very different than <laughs> any really any other non-white person or your understanding of of like the the bullshit that women put up with in that era like you just your perspective is different because it's you know it's rose tinted glasses because you don't know any better but if you were to say like for example i i have a huge affinity for the 50s i don't know why i mean i just think it's like there's something strangely uh, attractive about the style of the fifties or the music of the fifties or all, all these different things. But like, I'm so looking through, (laughs) looking at that through this like pinhole perspective, right? It's like, if you were to go talk to, I don't know, a black guy who lived in the South in the fifties, pretty sure his affinity for that era would be very different. Not to say it wouldn't be there, but it would just, it's a, Completely different experience that is generally ignored when you look at these things from a a perspective of, like, oh, that era seems so cool. But what's
1: what's I think is so neat is what these discussions and films allow for is in almost like processing of, you know, the trauma and the horrors in a way, right? Exactly. To then allow us where it's less like we're looking at something through rose tinted glasses, but like our glasses are clear enough we're looking at the cool pure thing the song whatever it is mm-hmm. as well as all this you know all the ghosts coming in around it but then we're like making friends with the ghost in a way that's yeah. and i'd say that in a metaphorical sense i know it's more tricky and complicated and loaded than that but <laughs> yes. that's that's what's going on here in the story sense and metaphor sense yeah
0: well and uh, yeah let's i mean well here
1: can i i, I can wanted to say like uh, something that illustrates what I'm talking about a little better, but I thought was like a facet of this story that, um, you know how it was discussing all this. But uh, clothing is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, where we see, like you know, like the the equivalent of that classic old timey song I was trying to describe. Let's say, uh, you could say is a handsome man in a suit and tie, right? Like we know, suit and tie brings a certain kind of like some you know it brings out someone's best qualities in a way or a certain type of qualities in a man let's say person whatever um that uh that it allows like even for a creep like jack in this you know film or whoever where we kind of almost get how oh like we see jack at the bar in that suit it's like, that's that like pinhole effect you're talking about mm-hmm. that that the suit is almost like forcing onto us, you know, in a way it's like okay. so heavily just that clothing and style. And it's just, that's always been really interesting to me too, is like how clothing and that sort of physical presentation way is almost abused in that sense. Like still now, you know, like, uh, a friend of mine just had like a horrible Airbnb experience where he like stayed somewhere that was like uh here in Hollywood but it was like it's like this total weird scammy thing where it was like an old uh, recording booth radio station kind of thing with all these like little like booze turned into rooms. And he said that the guy showing him around who is like super shady or whatever was like total like slicked back hair in suit, which is like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, you just imagine this crummy guy. It's just that exact thing. was just so like not there, crummy, whatever, just puts on the suit, you know? Yeah. As if it's that easy.
0: yeah. Uh, Yeah, the trappings, I think, is sort of the thing, right? And then we're peeling back those trappings through the movie to be like, oh, (laughs) look what's underneath. But I love that. I mean, what else do you want?
1: Right. But then, because then we also get the inverse of that, too, of like, Eloise is genuinely bringing out her qualities she loves about herself and others see in her when she's making her own dress that's vintage inspired it's cool
0: yeah and she's getting validated through that like yeah and all of it crumbles i just think that the tr- the the structural uh trajectory of this movie is is really really solid um but we haven't really talked about the scary stuff
1: no, you're right. Well, <laughs> the the horror, the horror within. uh it felt super like British in a way, like go- British ghosts. Like it reminded <laughs> yeah, me of yeah. um, was it? No, no, no. The God, what's what's that recent film by Ty West? The the innkeepers. Or oh yeah, uh, I like the innkeepers. We did um, ghost stories for this yep. for this podcast. Yeah, there was something. That felt British, especially with the um the turn that happens where we think the ghosts are you know coming at her, being like "We're gonna get you," but actually they're saying "Save us, free us." It was her. She we're we were killed by her. Just that twist, something in there felt not just Edgar Wrighty but British.
0: Well, it felt Hitchcockian to me, which is very British.
1: I don't know. Too supernatural for me to make the Hitchcock association. Yeah.
0: Well, the twist—the twist of the like who done it sort of.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It
0: being the the woman who owns the building. Right, right, that <clears throat> and respect. having her be Sandy. All of that was cool. I actually particularly like in the moment I was like, Ugh, I don't know what what are we trying to or like what are we supposed to feel in this moment? But that that particular moment where where she has the realization of the ghosts, the men that uh, Mrs. Collins, Sandy, has has killed over the years, and that those are the specters that are haunting Eloise. That moment of them asking for her sympathy and her help immediately made me go, ew, like, no, what the hell, right? And having Mm -hmm. her then say, no, no, I'm not, I'm not here to help you assholes. I really like that as the sort of moment of, um, just her, her character coming to terms, right? Like being like, I'm not going to fall into this sort of weird manipulative, uh, victimhood, I guess. Uh, and also the sense of, her gift her her sort of her shame around her gift and her shame around like her mental health right it that kind of comes to a head there of like even in that moment she's still being kind of messed with and sh- her her being able to kind of push through and overcome it and be like no I I'm I'm making the decision here was really cathartic I thought it, it worked really well and I like that and I think some people didn't and that's f- fine um well I mean what but like for me it worked
1: the the car- catharsis I, found, I don't know there was, was so much a moment but I just liked as far as just sort of you know building the new world on top of the own old having a new approach kind of like the world we should be building I like how in the end uh Eloise she did she did try to still save Sandy in a way right you know like hey she's still here she's still alive like don't do this come on I feel you
0: well and that put up against her you know her affinity for that era and having Sandy kind of be like sorry girl like the the, we went through too much shit to yeah. be for me to be saved at this point. Yeah. And that there's it's sad valid. and it's cool and, you know, poignant.
1: Yeah. No, feels, you know, ring rings true in a way. Um as far as just as a as a end set piece or scene, uh, as a I don't know, I was about to say in a horror sense, but at this point it almost felt like a more horror action sense. I don't know yeah, what yeah. you'd call it. But the detail of when Sandy's uh old Sandy's, you know, she's she's climbing crawling up the stairs after Eloise, and we see young Sandy kind of cutting in and out with old Sandy. I loved that. It was so cool. It's this effect of like, yeah, they're the same person. And like we shouldn't I don't know. It's almost like what we were talking about with uh with Halloween Kills. I don't know, we were talking about it recently, but just that idea of, like, old people are people. Like, that shouldn't have to be said, but it feels like that is something that still need you know needs to be demonstrated, you know, in a way of, like, yeah, these full... They've they've looked like how you look now, young people. <laughs> you know, most <laughs> like that. Um, so just in this kind of weird, indirect way of, like, even though she... Um, she it was sad her circumstances just that the fact that they still gave her a kind of like physical power at the end despite you know being old um and i think that was just helped by the flashing in and out of the young version of her Mm -hmm. i really appreciated and enjoyed all that and just like to work in anya teller joy just screaming as well just is so much fun (laughs)
0: Yeah. You know, that ending also had a very... Do you remember this short story called The Landlady by Roald Dahl? <laughs> no. I feel like everybody was had to read this in, in, what would it have been? I think probably middle school. Maybe it was high school. I don't know. Um, it, it This... <laughs> the ending is so in that vein. Like, the the short story is basically like a dude, he's in London, and... Or no, he's he goes out of town from London to a bed and breakfast, and there is a widow who runs the bed and breakfast, and blah blah blah. He knows this is a bunch of weird shit, whatever. And then ultimately comes to this moment where he he drinks the tea that she's served him, and and he tastes bitter almonds and realizes, oh shit, I've been poisoned with cyanide, and she has been uh, she's a taxidermist and she's been like stuffing. Uh, victims. So he's going to be the next victim of, of this um, serial killer landlady. Um, it had like this movie, the ending of this movie, that whole sequence of ge- getting the tea and like realizing it's poisoned and all of that it just made me think immediately of this story, which I really it's a cool story. It's very short. I think it's like two pages long.
1: I mean, Roald Dahl's um, British too, right? That's feels very.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it has that it just has that feel to it, which is cool. Um, but there's something about that, like the, the, the facing off with the real version of this presumed fantasy that you've been having. Right. It's like the, it's not scooby Dooish, but it's like, take, the mask has been taken off mm. and now we get to see the villain, but the whole movie Allowed us to have just implicit sympathy for Sandy. Mm-hmm. And so just the the dynamic of the ticking clock, the boyfriend waiting, and you know he's gonna sh- he's gonna come in at some point. So he's in danger. She's obviously in danger from all sides, like all of that, the construction of that final sequence, I thought was really, really fun. Now there are things about that sequence that I don't like, but from a construction and a setup point of view and the tension of the, the, the whole sequence, I thought was really, really fun and really cool.
1: Yeah. So I just kind of, you mentioned, you mentioned talking about the horror stuff and I kind of just jumped to the ending, but I mean more on just I guess the horror stuff just the look and design of the men ghost I thought was really fun it was great the way they had amorphous faces just to kind of capture that feel of just like yeah just men in suits coming at you stay away like get off of me it was was cool I,
0: I love that I love that um element that that Sandy adult Sandy old Sandy adult Sandy what am I talking about Mrs. Collins sandy that's better yeah essentially says or she does say like i had to like erase all the the faceless men right like as just you know men's bodies over and over again like that to the point that i've like their faces disappeared and so having the specters embody that facelessness was (laughs) very cool yeah yeah
1: yeah no totally that's cool um well, was there anything specifically about the horror that you wanted to mention that when when you brought that up?
0: Um. Well, no. I mean, yes, but I I don't know. Without getting into things that didn't work, <laughs> um, yeah, there's too much of a butt attached to them. <laughs> there kinda is. All right. It's, I love. I, look. I really do like when you're watching somebody's reality kind of crumble around them. Like her spiral that she goes on is really intense and evocative. And like watching her unravel, just, you know what I mean? Unravel like a thread from the bottom of a dress. <laughs> well, I, I needed you to make that leap for me. but Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh all of that's really cool. I in particular the library scene where she, you know, she's kind of off trying to research Sandy and she's flipping out. Like she's having waking uh I don't know if you call them hallucinations, but whatever you call that. She's she's in the other realm during the, her waking existence now. So things have gotten worse and she <laughs> let I me mean, sure she's running around trying to defend herself with a pair of scissors and she almost stabs her former roommate in the face that moment alone was extremely exciting to me just <laughs> oh in, the way it plays out the way it's cut like i really really thought that she was going to actually uh kill the the, the roommate by accident i was like oh this yeah and badly and having the boyfriend, like, catch her hand before it it lands was very cool and very fun. <laughs> Britt was sitting next to me, and she's like, because Britt went to art school, she's like, oh, she wouldn't be allowed to come back to that school after that.
1: <laughs> no. She might go on to become a famous artist, but... That's right. <laughs> um, I mean, there was, for me, still, like, a lot that was really exciting to me about this film we haven't even gotten to yet but like I know in in talking about the uh, getting swept up in the story when she's first entering the dream world I -hmm. mean just so much about that Um, you know like how you described you know almost as like the allure of a new romance in a way um, yeah, I mean, I was feeling it that way for sure. But also, just in the sense, I re- could—I just felt like I could really relate to her character in a lot of ways. Like I saw a lot of my myself in her. Um, and one of the ways was that kind of like that feeling when you have your own kind of new special interest that almost feels like you're sort of like new world. You're really excited about getting into. It could be anything from like being obsessed about a video game when you're as a kid and getting home from school to get back into it, or a book, or a project you're like really excited about, just a, a new artist you've really gotten into, and you're just you know absorbing a, a place, whatever. Just that thing that feels like your own special thing. Um, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. That's uh, that's that was my more like projection onto mm. that that experience. Um, of like when she's getting home from school to then get to the thing that she really cares about doing and she gets her like kind of ritual almost the way she excitedly brings the blankets over her and she's yeah. back in the world. I I loved all that. That really helped me get caught up in um that feeling I could relate to, yeah.
0: Yeah, and mean for me too. Like that, just just the murder mystery aspect of it.
1: That was the other getting caught up in thing too. That I was thinking of you. Yeah, more specifically, I love it. You're getting caught up in a ooh, who's this person? Oh, what did they do? Yeah, yeah. Right. The whole misdirect with
0: Terrence Stamps' character and that whole build up where she's she's really like kind of lost it and confronting him, thinking that he's Jack and like i just think all of that stuff is it's so of that raymond chandler sort of you know murder mystery who done it investigation th- like book thing i love those
1: yeah uh, not to just keep rewinding on what you're saying, but like even before it got to any of that stuff, just that first scene where we're getting caught up in everything, like I just gotta mention those first dance sequences were just like so incredible of her entering the club and yeah. the way they'd switch places during it. Yeah, I guess very cool. I just so swept up in that, much in the way they were swept up off their feet. Yeah.
0: Oh, you know what? There's one other thing. I I don't know really what to think of it in terms of it having deeper meaning. But just the fluorescent lights outside of her room, uh, I think it goes, like, red, white, and blue. It it just looks so cool. I don't know why I'm such a a geek for, like, colored lighting, but... Mm. I love it. Yeah. I don't that, want it in everything I make. And I've yet to make something that it, like, was appropriate for. <laughs> yeah. Now, all I want to do is just, like, bathe, you know, a scene in, like, pink.
1: Yeah. Well, that was... A <laughs> yeah, I know you're a big Neon Demon fan. That's why you say that.
0: Oh, love that it so much. Specifically.
1: <laughs> um, no, absolutely. Shout out to the deliberate use of color. And, uh, I mean, this is what, Eddie, you're right talks about a lot in the interviews and stuff but just portraying the technicolor ness uh, yeah. of the 60s and then the drabness of modern day and then having those uh the the confluence happen as the the nightmare emerges with reality yeah yeah it's so cool, cool. uh Got this weird little detail I had down that I thought was really smart, not a big thing, but just that she had the hickey left over after one of those first dreams, I thought was so smart. Just otherwise you're kind of going like, Well, they're just dreams. Like what's right, what's the threat here? But just the uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was just cool how very quickly I felt the uh the repercussions that there was some kind of danger that was imminent here just whether it was a little detail like that or just the overall sense yeah was well done and feeling uh oh god there's this freight train a coming <laughs> yep totally yeah i mean god i mean tons of more little things i liked about but that kind of covers it for me
0: yeah me too cool
1: all right then with that let's move on to what did not work It's not ready yet.
0: Seems to work okay.
1: No, something important's missing. (laughs) I guess since we're just talking about so much of the story sense and the progression of all that just right now, of the mystery and whatnot. Um just one thing I was curious if this was the same for you at all, but like It was clear, very clear at a certain point. Her goal was to, uh, to trying to track down this murderer who's still in the present. But whatever, like, that ride to that, her making that conclusion was, like, I just, maybe I was just, again, like, really first time viewing, but I kind of missed that in a way. It sort of felt like, even though she's clear about it, I was just kind of like, uh, wait, wait, how did you get to? Like, this is what you're doing now? I don't know. It just felt rushed or there was something cut in there. I don't know. So Small little what did not work that could be different on another viewing. But I was curious if that was the same for you.
0: It, it sort of was. I, I don't know exactly how to pinpoint. There is something about... Uh, maybe it's the transition from, from the... Uh, it's it's weird i think it gets a little convoluted and and i'm not sure why it part of me thinks it's that when she when when the dreams start to kind of invade her waking life and she's trying to solve this mystery it almost feels like we're we're kind of we've got too much going on maybe it it's weird because there's also this whole element of like, well, is she just delusional? Is this just her suffering from whatever issue, uh, you know, schizophrenia or something like that that her mom suffered from? And so I don't think it's wrong. Like it seems that seems correct that those things would sort of start Here's, flooding into I each think, other. Tim, but-
1: that is what's wrong. Then this is this is <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious, yeah, what you make of all this. But it's that it is correct. Things can be too correct. Like, that's kind <laughs> of this weird sense that I get from this film and almost why, like, maybe I've almost felt like a little snide or whatever. You know, he said, oh, it all just comes up with a nice bow at the end in his right, films. Right, right. Like, that, totally, like, that's not a bad thing in itself. But I feel like sometimes, like, sometimes there's this weird effect that happens I feel like when you are a really good screenwriter as far as just sort of knowing the rules and whatnot where you just kind of can almost get so carried away and like your little fixes or how to make things clear or make sense that it almost kind of does become a little too much in a way like we need to there always has to be that little sense of kind of like mystery and not knowing and non-patness for something Mm -hmm. to feel like a certain kind of, I don't know, it just depends on what the goals of the films are. Like, I don't know, like, I'm just gonna say, maybe, maybe not, but did we really need to have the thing where she has, like, a mom who died, and she's setting up already that she can kind of see ghosts in that sense? Could she just have her issues of being, you know, the introvert that she is, and just for whatever weird reason, part of the displacement of being in a new place, in a new room that's haunted, she starts to experience things, these things. Like you can get how, I don't know. So there's just, just stuff like this, that throughout, where like in the horror movie sense, like I, I really like it and it's fun as like a ride, but it's not like, it. I don't know, moments get under my skin and the ideas and theory do and the story too, but in almost a filmmaking sense, it does feel like pat and safe and maybe a little bit of just kind of like that comes from an almost, I don't know yeah too much stuff over explaining. I don't know. It's just something like all that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there there's something in what you're saying for sure. I, it, yeah, I don't know. It's a very strange thing because it just leaves me kind of scratching my head because there's a whole section of the movie where I feel disconnected with her like spiraling well that I, I felt that yeah yeah sorry well and just that when you when the narrator of the movie the or the person that you're watching the movie through the character is devolving into sort of chaos having them also be the person with the agency to solve the crime almost feels like it 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 feels like they can't both exist at the same time a little bit okay
1: that's 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 great i agree because what that was doing like that effect that then like okay the way she's freaking out in this film like i don't know it sounds bad like who's you know who am i to tell how you know, macho woman should freak out or anybody, <laughs> whatever. Um, but that was something that, like, maybe it's just because I'm projecting, like, I was relating to and liking her so much as a character for that first half and really, like, identifying, getting caught up in her story, that once it got to, like, her visions going out of control and her feeling attacked, it felt like at a certain point after that first attack, like, she sh- she would be someone who's... Has a strong enough core that could go, okay, like I understand what's happening. Maybe I'm not going to get physically hurt by them. Like just getting pushed to that point where it was this weird line that was like pushed too much of her just being kind of manic screaming response to everything. Like, I feel like most moviegoers maybe would have that reaction or like our perception of how most people are like the status quo is. I was saying this in a previous episode where it just like frustrates me how it's like, just because your reaction isn't to scream at something crazy means like, it's not realistic if that's not your reaction. Like, no, <laughs> I, I don't, relate to that like you know there's there's other ways that people might you know react to something like that even that crazy so i don't know that's where i just started to feel a little disconnect from her was like she was striking me as someone who yeah would have a bit more of a nuanced response to this all um and just like was overall more grounded in a way that i don't know she just seemed off to the races in a way that felt more like it was trying to be a certain kind of like movie movie versus staying grounded in her character.
0: Yeah, well, I wonder too. I mean, uh, if watching it a second time would help smooth this out. But I think what I wanted maybe was more of a sense that she, as the visions invade more and more of her, that she needs to, that the, that the conflict becomes between her and the visions where she has agency in trying to keep them at bay. Yeah. Because I think the big flaw of her character upon a single viewing <laughs> feels that she completely is just at the mercy of all of these things. She's not... Actively making decisions or combating the visions, right? And I think that what Edgar tried to do to to kind of solve that is to give her agency with tracking down the murderer. But like, they're they're they feel disconnected, right? Like and I, I it, when and where she has that agency feels too <clears throat> separated from one thing to the other.
1: There's no the way the ghosts attack. It doesn't necessarily feel like there's a sort of ticking clock or like a power growing within in them. It's always kind of like, they're right there, they re- get really close, someone takes her out of it. I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. There wasn't like a sense for if or how she could fight these things. Yeah, I get what you're saying.
0: It maybe is just. A, it may be that it becomes a little too convoluted because you do effectively have... You really have three stories going, well, four if you include her experience, but three sub sort of stories that are underneath what she's experiencing. One is the story of Sandy and her murder and really just her experience as a young woman. That's one story. Now, directly connected to that is uh, what's his name? Jack um matt whatever matt something is the actor's name um his kind of connected story of that he's still around right like he's this guy who presumably is out in the in the wild possibly still killing people okay so who are the victims of that possible you know bad guy But then you also have the story of the men who are the ghosts that are chasing her. And those two things, Jack's sort of the mystery of where Jack is and the men who are ghosts, specters that are coming after her. They're really not connected. I mean, they are ultimately like we come around to find out that there is a connection that Jack kind of created the situation that led to those men being killed but like he doesn't pay any price for that right like he just is he gets folded into that group of of men and that there's just something i don't know something feels strange about that like it doesn't feel like it kind of connects in spite of the fact that so much of this gets wrapped around with this ne- kind of neat little bow that like oh all the, the the conceit is that we're told and and Ellie is well experiences Sandy's murder and that's just not true right like and i think that's where things start to kind of fall apart is that there's this if we if we're on board with her having these gifts and being able to see these things and those things are actually real and she has a connection to the past and she has this power, we undercut that immediately by having her uh, vision be an inaccurate one. She sees Sandy getting stabbed to death by Jack. Like, she sees that and we are shown that and then that turns out to just not be the way it went why right. and how like what caused did you know d- does adult or does old mrs collins sandy have some sort of way <laughs> to to have deceived ellie in her vision no so when you come back to that and then you go oh just kidding actually she missaw that vision and what was really happening was sandy was slicing and dicing up jack well that's a hard uh, to me that's the hardest pill to swallow from a story sense because it's like yeah but you told us this other thing and we're supposed to how are we supposed to feel about ellie then is right. she reliable is she not reliable does so her powers it, not work like what you know it, so it sounds like you're saying as someone who's really appreciates
1: the mystery and trying to uncover it all. It just kind of cheapened that for
0: you. Yeah, it it does. I just think that... (laughs) When you get to the moment of a character, you know, tracking down the truth and having the truth be a just kidding, like, that's... I think that's not great and there's maybe what's missing is we needed to, maybe this is in there, but like we needed to feel more like the moment of her witnessing Sandy's death was obscured somehow that because she's so Ellie is so freaked out by all of what's going on in that, in that vision that she she actually had an obscured view of what was going on and misinterpreted it rather than it just i mean she's 2 inches away from the action so it's like hard to buy that she misinterpreted sandy getting killed if she's right there unobscured which she is like that's the way it's shot so so i don't know i mean that it comes to this point where i'm like a few different things are happening that kind of don't gel even though ostensibly the story feels like it's being wrapped up in a tight little bow it's it's it is and it isn't it's it's a little it just something's a little off
1: interesting i'll uh pay attention to that next time
0: well and i want to watch it again just kind of to see if i'm you know like it's it's always your first ex- viewing experiences can be clouded by all sorts of factors. Yeah, it's so just, maybe there's just I'm, so
1: much going on. Right.
0: Maybe these things are kind of solved and like are are whatever supported in a way that I just <clears throat> didn't catch. Um yeah. But well, you know anything else you had that did not work for you? Yes. <laughs> So this is, like I said earlier, it's sort of on the te- more technical side. It, it, and it is kind of a taste thing, ultimately. I just don't like the ghosts. I don't like the design of the ghosts. I know you I did. I sensed
1: that when I said I did. I knew immediately you were and I, crazy And I about really
0: dislike the, the CGI sort of usage in that final sequence. It feels unnecessary. It's, for me, like,
1: it's kind of that can overlap a bit with what I was saying where it's not so much. I didn't like the design of the ghost, but I did think those scare moments with them was just
0: too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, it left me feeling very much like I was watching kind of like a mid nineties, like episode of, are you afraid of the dark? Which which is why I liked it. (laughs) Right, Right, exactly. But the tone of the specters, they're in black and white most of the time up against this technicolor thing. That alone is too big of a break with the kind of reality of the visions she's having for me. And it seems kind of weird, right? Because like, why would that be an issue? But it just... From a design point of view, it does not gel, and it does not make me feel scared of them. I just am like, well, they're that sort of uh, what do you call that jittery, like double double exposure blur kind of effect that's going on. But, but you He's,
1: sound, but you sounded kind of you sounded kind of open and liking that idea of them being kind of an amalgam of men's
0: faces that you've. Erased. I hundred percent like that. I think what it boils down to is I don't think any of the moments are wrong, and I don't think that the basic design is wrong. I like them feeling drab, but it leans too much into just, it looks just like a desaturated black and white, you know, specter with this effect. I would have much, much preferred to see actual people with like a makeup that, erases their face or, or i mean it doesn't have to be practical yeah, but not, like not like a cg cloud of ghosts correct and that uh, just that i wonder how how because the i get what he's doing like i get why you make it this way it, it's it's almost a conceptual choice based on your palette themes <laughs> that I just didn't think worked. I'm like, I think it would have worked better if they were just people with no faces. Yeah.
1: I, I and hear that it. would have scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I hear you. I think for me, it's not so much better. I agree. It would have scared me a lot more. I mean, I would have actually been there. What? Yeah. I think what you're getting at is describing a way that could have been like actually eerie and scary. Mm-hmm. But I think I just kind of instantly accepted this for what it was. Maybe just seeing it, you know, in a theater and loud. I'm like, that's why I used the term like action horror earlier. Yeah, It just felt more like it was kind of a fun in that haunted house sense. And I just kind of immediately accept that and that that's the, what the movie is. And that's just a certain kind of fun. But as far as, yeah, if you're pursuing something a bit more serious and genuinely unnerving, I agree with you. A different direction would have been necessary. And that's also, again, why I said maybe just having less of just, there they are in their face attacking, or there they are in their face, there they are. It just felt like we just got that over and over.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, there's just, I i mean, all really it does kind of boil down to the choice between cgi effects and some of that i i I don't think they had a choice in certain instances but even like like the hands you know the difference between the cg of the hands coming through the floor and grabbing her and the cg of the hands punching through the wall there's just something something about the wall version that doesn't work it visually didn't feel good and didn't feel real or scary it just felt like CGI whereas the floor the floor hands I don't know why they've they've worked like I felt like that was a practical effect almost to, to some degree
1: it's funny there was only like one little effects moment that didn't work for me it was when she's like pounding on the mirror to the other side of yep. her and just the yep. cracks appearing looked totally just added in post that's kind of the thing. other
0: big one for me too yeah so I don't know what you do about that because <sighs> I think that they're tr- they're sort of you're caught in between two hard decisions. One is if you're going to have the visions or the dream stuff be hyper stylized cuz it does. I mean like the the mirror stuff where she and the swapping back and forth between Sandy and Ellie like in seemingly in sort of real time where we're that that trickery of of what person is like we're seeing experience a thing at any given moment and having that kind of constantly flip around. That's really cool. And the space feels real, but sometimes it doesn't feel real like the state for the stairwell in the end when, when Mrs. Collins is actually stabbing at her and flipping that to the kind of like glass stairwell that Sandy wanted to come down to sing, You know, in the Rialto or whatever the club was, even that felt nebulous and like we're, we're falling into this kind of netherworld thing. And may, and, and maybe that was the intent, but for some reason, because it is so clearly a computer generated environment, it just, it feels, wrong in the context of this movie for me because like so much of the movie is grounded in a really like hard tactile thing of of the era of the buildings of the clothes like all that's so real that when you introduce, then suddenly this hyper almost stylized. Maybe maybe it's not stylized enough. Like maybe it needed to go even further into stylized to make it work. It's so I don't know.
1: yeah. It's so just funny and weird because like I can imagine just a version of this where you're showing like you're talking about the the sense of the space of the CG fire and all that around them at the end. Like you could just show it less or not highlight it so matter of factly maybe um but then i'm just thinking at the same time i feel like i just i wish i could we could just say well look at let's let's bring up the percentage of here or how many people are like us and how many people just do not notice or care at all and are totally oh caught up in it like that's so fascinating The
0: vast majority of people don't have even like the a second thought about this yeah. yeah
1: so i'm just being that voice i guess right now <laughs> <laughs> right
0: Uh, yeah I don't know man it's we're still it's so weird to me because we I was watching something recently I don't remember what it was but you know this (laughs) at the time of it being made I'm sure the CG was like you were like whoa I think it was oh it uh, it was the second Lord of the Rings movie the two towers and all of the Gollum stuff and I was like, this is really amazing still, but you can see the effect. Like, you can see the work they did. It's and, funny. Um, you know.
1: I like just because those films were, we watched them on film when they first uh, came out in theaters. That's true. Yeah. They were of that era. This film I did see on film and was shot on film. Oh. And I think that. Uh, helps a lot a lot a lot with the smoothing over of all that because like you're talking about all this again like because it was so obvious only the cracks appearing on that mirror being hit it's the only thing that felt weird just because it was the way it held on it and appeared no way around Mm -hmm. it but like everything else you're talking about even the 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 appearances of the ghosts like you know for me I kept saying it was that they were too much shown too much but like the CG-ness like it all just felt Watching it on film, it all felt painterly versus digital in a way that huh. makes sense so I would interesting I would just be curious that that effect yeah the film effect does help smooth over modern CG in a neat way and be curious I uh, mean that doesn't that surprise me
0: considering that there's there's an actual shutter like you know like it's its frames actually moving through as opposed to a digital thing which yeah sort of doesn't have that it's different it's a different thing
1: like you live up the street from the vista here in la did you which was exclusively the only theater in the world showing star wars the force awakens in film did you see do you remember if you saw it there can conjure that memory god
0: i i god I don't know if i saw it there okay it's very possible but i do not remember i think i did because I think I saw that twice.
1: <laughs> well in theaters. You would need to remember for what I'm asking you about <laughs> anyway. <so, laughs> well, uh, well, it's it's feeling more things of Nodi in here. Did you have anything else for what did not work? Um
0: not no, not really. Those are the real things that stuck out to me. I just I don't know how you solve what I'm talking about in terms of the story stuff exactly but you know I'm going to watch it again and just see if, it, if that kind of remains disconnected feeling got it great
1: alright then with that we shall move on to Things of Note
0: Things of Note <sighs> this should be interesting
1: This almost could have been in what worked, Tim. I kind of meant to bring it up just because it was a moment. I a touch, ha ha ha. You'll see, that's a pun, because uh, <laughs> I loved the little thing that they set up and then comes back of like Anya Taylor Joy like doing the little like boop through the mirror. You know, that's like ends the mm-hmm. trailer, mm-hmm. like that. She she does it as this is like interesting little like moment of connection gesture earlier on. And then it comes back at the end when she sees her in the mirror, kind of goes up to the end. It's our, our very last beat we end on. My kind of like things of note context put this under is like, how do you read that, uh, that action, that exchange, that gesture? Because I thought it was, what was so cool about it is it like definitely felt like something. Like I understood it but it was new and uncommon enough. I couldn't really put it into words, which is why I think that it, it made a great ending beat. It was something that I don't know was, yeah, couldn't quite. You know, it's different from like up. Oh, she shakes her hand at the end. You know, it's I don't know. It was <laughs> it was unique and cool and had a sort of custom meaning to it. I don't know. So how did you? What do you? How? What do you break down? What that is? The little <laughs> the, the boop. The, the, the mere point boop.
0: It certainly feels like some sort of 60s behavioral thing, right? Like it doesn't feel modern.
1: Yeah. I mean, it says, I see you. I acknowledge you.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like a validation behavior. Like, here we go. It's You know what it reminds me of a little bit? You, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a meme out there with Adam Driver sitting at a, a diner table. And he's eating soup. I don't know what it's even from. It's from something. And he does a very quick, like, okay sign with his hand. And he <laughs> says, Good soup. And yeah. it's like this very poignant, like pointed sort of behavior, like boom. That. Oop. It's a very I don't know. It's some there's something about like it's like a validation move. It's like a uh exclamation mark.
1: It's, it's almost as if, like, you're saying, like, I see you, I like you, I validate you. But at the same time, in this present moment, I'm still doing my own thing here and now and have my own business to deal with. But it's like, I don't know. Like, if you 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 just had a conversation with someone at a wedding party, like a long conversation with someone at a wedding party, but, like, they're you know, you just met them or whatever. And then, like, you see them later in the night and you kind of, like, well, you know, smile or nod when you pass yeah. them, but I don't know. So something like that, I just thought it was so cool. Finger I love that. Pew, pew. Yeah, and just her doing it is just all that much more perfect and sells it. But
0: yeah, it's almost like uh it does. It is a weird. It's a it, <laughs> It's almost similar to the sort of like brush and brush and the dust off your shoulder, like
1: you brushing that move
0: that's sort of like, I've got like, psh, no problem. Oh like, nothing. yeah. 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 It's kind of like a, a more feminine kind of version of that. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's like that energy, but like towards yourself and another person and w- with that more feminine right. touch <laughs> to it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's very kind of Holly go lightly, feeling maybe yeah. that's a 60s thing i don't know maybe I, I you know there it's probably based on some some film reference thing i don't know
1: <laughs> god yeah in my watching of interviews and stuff for this they did they didn't get to that i'm bummed now i have to ask them someday where that came from <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right well maybe we'll see it in something i don't know yeah great um Any things of note you had? You know what, uh, actually, it also feels like? It feels like when a woman has finished her, at least this is sort of a trope, when a woman's finished her makeup and she, like, gives herself a kiss in the mirror.
1: Yes, yes. It's that same energy but towards, like, another person. Right. But, like, that you have a sort of shared connection already.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, It's cool. Great. effective <laughs> all great um
1: well as i did mention i did get through some interviews and behind the scenes stuff for this the main one tim <clears throat> i mean this could have been a, a thing that worked you know i mentioned loving the dancing scenes this is like the main talking point point in like all the short little interviews that they do is like how they did the switch out between the two of them did did you know about this tim did you read this i w-
0: I didn't see it. I wondered about it. There were times when I think it was practical and there were times when it was replacement. So all the stuff of the, yeah, the two of
1: them. I mean, first it was really fun tidbit when she's first entering the club and sees the Sandy version, Anya Taylor-Joy version of herself. That is like not CG. That's all in camera. So the the maitre d' that comes at the beginning was a twin, you know, that they're like little touches like that. How cool. they mirrored it. It was great, fun little, fun little thing of note too. The twins were p- played by the Weasley twins from the Harry Potter movies, and which <laughs> George apparently, and, uh, whatever. yeah, Fred. Uh, That's right, Fred. Which apparently they're just like the perfect age for it, I guess. Um, Thomas and Mackenzie and Anya Taylor Joy like were so starstruck that it was them, which was great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny, yeah.
1: But um, no, I Tim like those dancing scenes when it when they switch places, like, I was convinced, like, I'm like, that that had to be CG or something, like, some kind of melding effect, just because it was so smooth and instantaneous. Like, how the hell, I got so caught up in watching that with just that, and that how the hell did they do that kind of way. Like, where Mm -hmm. I'm like, God, because you can't, the kind, the way to shoot with that kind of camera energy, when it's in motion, like, you can't match those camera moves in that kind of thing, without some kind of, new device we haven't seen that's, I don't know. Um, So the behind the scenes, Tim, it's incredible. They literally just like switch places. The, the actors, they just switch out with each other. Like when they're in the middle of a spin or like, you know, when he's blocking them or whatever, like I could not believe it. It was like this beautiful uh, um, uh, uh, orchestration uh, that they pulled off and, God, it's just one of those movie magic examples that makes me so giddy.
0: Yeah, that's cool. There were definitely moments where I was like, I think this is a set, like, that that we're not even dealing with any CG replacement or, like, green screen stuff, that they just, instead of there being an actual mirror, it's just a hole in the wall, and you've mirrored the set on the other side of that wall. Mm-hmm which actually makes a lot of sense right like it's very easy to do it's just a matter of budget to build the set which they obviously had um but then the the real magic is having the actors mime each other which is such a cool thing it when necessary you know they didn't do it a ton cuz she's kind of observing mm-hmm. from that angle a lot of the time but Nonetheless, it is. I think that's really fun.
1: Oh yeah, and wh- it works. Those moments where they did have to match exactly, like they they did it. Like you could not yeah. catch anything. It was really incredible. Um, fun little other tidbits I have here. I liked learning that. Uh, you know, someone always asks the questions in these these junket things. Uh, you know, did you take any props from the films? Um, Edgar Wright took home Eloise's record collection, which is amazing and I'm I'm jealous of, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> they were joking. Yeah. It was like this film all was a roundabout way for him to get <laughs> those records. Um, right. Uh, seeing at the New Beverly, I mentioned, it was fun, the The trailers, like they were all those exact old trailers of the British films, like with Terrence Stamp and Diana Rigg, like all those stuff, they showed all those. <laughs> that was funny. But it was weird. They had a note out front, I had never seen it, said... I think it said 27 minutes in, it said that the back channels are off for the first 27 minutes of the film and then they come back on. And then they they turn on. They said, this is normal. This is intended. So I'm like, what? Like, I don't know. I'm guessing that's at some point when they're transitioning over. But I thought that was really interesting that in the design and sound mix of this film, apparently, the rear channels are saved until a certain point.
0: That's interesting there. I forgot about this, but there was a moment somewhat early on where we like Brit and I thought we were hearing sound from another theater. Mm. And, you know, cause it was weird and behind us and we were like, Oh, that's weird and annoying. And I was like, I think that's in this movie. I think that what, is being done from a sound design perspective is kind of breaking down the auditory world that she was experiencing because in the scene, she's actually starting to have a little bit of a disconnect, like mm-hmm. mentally and a little bit of a like sort of an anxiety attack. And I think it was to, to that effect that it was purposeful. But in the moment we were like, ah, what what's happening that something's weird something's off i was like cool yeah they did that on purpose i think i actually think that that was by design so yeah that's cool that they're messing around with that stuff neat
1: um something else they're messing around with you know i mentioned uh the color shift as the film evolves and gets into its different lands but um they they use different lenses too where they're using spherical lenses in modern Settings and then anamorphic lenses mm. for the 60s scenes. So that was fun. That does not surprise me. Yeah. Um, cool. And then we got a shout out, I believe this is our second Bond girl we've had in a film we've covered where we oh. had Tanya Roberts in Tourist Trap who was in A View to a Kill. And yep. then in this film we had Diana Rigg who is in On Her Majesty's Secret Service.
0: That's so, right. One of the one of the better bond films, if you ask me if you ask me it's
1: there's uh yes this that's that's valid one of the better bond films uh I don't think there are many bad bond films that's what I'm saying <laughs> that's what, that's it's I the say.
0: only George Lazenby yeah bond anyway.
1: My least favorite bond is uh I hate on her majesty. No, no, no. That's the one I just said. Diamonds are forever. I just thought it was terrible.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I'd have to go back in and remember which movies which. Yeah. I always that's... remember, you know, the original Dr. No, uh From Russia with Love, and this one and uh Honor Ma- uh Majesty's Secret Service. Those three are like pew pew. Diamonds Are Forever is
1: the one that came right after on Her Majesty's Secret Service with Sean Connery in Vegas. That's right. Yeah. It's just so weird and unlike. Is that the one where they go into space? No, that's Moonraker. That's Roger Moore. Yeah. (laughs) No, but while you're confusing it, they have like a scene that's um, it's like they're on a set of something and they have like a moon buggy they drive around. It's weird. Okay.
0: (laughs) Cool. All right. Great.
1: Well, then I think it sounds like. Can I shout out Terrence Stamp? Note. Yeah,
0: I just like Terrence Stamp. I think he's great.
1: Zod. <laughs> I, ke- I kept thinking of Bowfinger was all I could think of with seeing him, <laughs> um, which was fun because he was. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I hadn't seen him in anything since then.
0: I always thought that hey, this is this is some Marvel nerd shit. I always thought Terrence Stamp would have made an amazing Magneto in the X-Men series instead of um, Ian McKellen. Not that I have anything against Ian McKellen, but Terrence Stamp would have been my choice for Magneto back in the day. I think
1: that's amazing, Tim. You're right. That would have been great. Oh, perfect.
0: <laughs> I like even from
1: what I know about the films. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. One, and he would have been great. Well... Any other dream castings, or are you good to wrap up <laughs>
0: things of note? Uh no, I I don't know, I don't know. Did have you ever seen the the girl who was the lead in this, who played Eloise? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of old. She was in that. Oh, she in old? Okay, I didn't see that. Yeah, interesting. Um, I saw her in um um oh my god, the Taitewa. What TT's um Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Thank you. My God. Yeah, sorry in that. That's the only I was like, where, where, where's she been? Oh yeah. That. I love that
1: accent so much. It's just so much like fun and endearing. That's great. <laughs> um I won't do right, it. That's I keep it. wanting to do it. <laughs> All right then. That's it for things of note. We can move on. Wind down last night in Soho. With some recommendations, as we like to do, Tim. Do you have one for us this week? You better. I mean,
0: I just think that you sh- all should read The Landlady by Roald Dahl. Cool. I'm sure you can find it in 10 seconds. Do it. <laughs> Great. Yeah,
1: no, you already talked about it. All right. Um, I'll recommend Dead for everyone. I had not seen, nor was I really aware of the Noah Baumbach film, Margot at the Wedding. Have you seen that with? Oh, God. Nicole I... Kidman and Jennifer Jason Lee and
0: Jack Black? I don't think so. I- I've heard of it, but I don't think I ever watched it.
1: It was good. Just that kind of, if you're in the mood for that kind of Noah Baumbach, you know, but. Uh, I don't know. He can be pretty hit for hit or miss for me, but this is was was you know on the, the better side. I, I really enjoyed it. Characters okay. were fun. The little world they built was fun. Everyone was great in it. Of course, it was fun to see Jack Black too as like um, just in something that's more of a, a dramatic comedy, a little more realistic tone. He, but you know, he's great. In everything. So it was fun seeing him in this context. And of course, Nicole Kidman and Jennifer Jason Lee. Like, should be big enough sell for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was from 2007. That was good. For next week, we're actually, for the first time in dismembering horror history, taking an episode off to uh, get together with loved ones for Thanksgiving. So... We'll be back in two weeks in December where we're going to we're going to try to see what we can dig up that we thought would be a fun discussion that would be uh, in the holiday mode of a Christmas film
0: yet to be determined.
1: All right. Well, until then, you can find us wherever you found us. We got a website, dismemberinghorror.com. We got a, an Instagram to We've been posting all sorts of new fun things on the films that we've been covering, in addition to our first reactions when we'll uh, like as soon as we literally finish watching this the week's film. So fun stuff like that. Check it out. Check it out. (laughs) But if not, that's totally fine. We just really appreciate you being here and having made it this far. Welcome. Check out Rom Crime. Yeah. Again, shout out to Rom Crime. We'll have more, more on all that, too, with our, our connected buds. And more news, yep. too, come uh, December, how we're uh, going to be upping the ante to our version 2.0 here. But until then, and for now, <laughs> in closing, we hope you had a good last night in Soho.
0: Thanks for listening. That's right. And get get hip and swinging and swinging. <laughs> I'm finger booping everyone listening. Oh, boop boop All right. Right back to you. We'll see you next time.
1: Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>